buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 48. Today we're going to chat with Tony Simon from The Second is for Everyone, make a prank call about Han Solo blasters, and talk about cork belts. Today's panel is Sean Heron, and I'm Ava Flanell, and I'm hiring a new co-host. <laughs> Why is that? Because you just screw up everything. Oh, are you, it only took like 20 minutes to get the show started. Do you mean you're going to hire a producer? Because I've got a lot of jobs on this show. Okay, This yeah. was supposed to be a fun show for me. It's like fun. It's, I almost just cussed. I almost just said the F word. Okay, that's real great. So we're here today with Tony Simon, who was just, uh, just reminded me that he was the guest the first time that I was on We Like Shooting. Yes. And he was like, you were white girl wasted. It's so true. And I forgot about that. <laughs> well, those brain cells, they're gone now. <laughs> they are so gone. Tony, what were your first impressions? How did that go? <laughs> and, and, wow. Yo, and be easy. All right. So the editor's going to have to edit this out, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It was, it was great. I have fun with the guys when we like shooting all the time. And then all of a sudden they had this girl on who started out real cool and this became awesome the drunker she got. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was a lot of fun, um, especially when she started just goofing on everybody on the show. I just shut up. I was like, I don't need to be a target of this. <laughs> so, I think I was just so nervous that I was like, oh, I'll just have a glass of wine, you know, just to kind of take out the nervousness. And then next thing you know, I'm like a few bottles in and I don't even remember the show. Oh, uh, goodness. But I well, always joke. I was on a podcast before I even knew what a podcast was. You were on a podcast before you were even actually conscious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we, for, before we forget more things, let's talk about. Manticore arms? Uh, man, Manticore, yes. There's now the other thing that we said in the last episode is messing me up. All right. I want to talk about their charging handles. Okay, cool. Which guns do they actually make those for? Uh, it looks like CZ Scorpion, the Bren, the Og, the Tavor, all kinds of, a lot of guns out there. Yeah, so it seems like they really just designed it for because a lot of these guns, their charging handles are horrible, uncomfortable. Uh, the one that I have uh, familiarity with, it actually you charge it and then it collapses onto itself, so it's not kind of in the way or anything. Mm-hmm. And that's the one on the Scorpion, which okay, which I definitely dig. I actually have those are the switchback charging handles. I've got some in there. So if you have a Scorpion or a Bren or a Tavor, they make charging handles for all those. So go check them out, manticorearms.com. And the cool thing is prices are really good on these, yeah, it depending looks on like which one you want. Right now they range from like $33 all the way up to 75 Yeah. So not bad at all. Nope. And, um, and we then love on, manic arms. Oh, yeah. Oh, and then also their bullpup shooting is, or bullpup shoots coming up. Yeah, totally. Bullpup shoot is going to be September 15th in Mount Carroll, Illinois at the Site Training Center. It's free. It's open to the public. And here's what you can expect when you walk in. Uh, you can bring your own guns. You can bring your own ammo. They'll have a bay with ROs that uh, you'll be able to shoot at all day if you want to. Um, then they have a machine gun bay and just a random gun bay, basically, which is a bunch of manufacturers that bring their products out. And you can shoot those. But the best part is, is Manicor Arms limits how much they can charge for that. So if you go to some machine gun shoots like Stone Mountain or the one in Kentucky, it can be really expensive. Or even the one here in Colorado, it can be really expensive to shoot a gun. 
for these, uh, I believe they're capped at $10 to shoot a firearm. So, you know, bring like 50 bucks, shoot five of your dream guns, shoot five guns that you may never have a chance to shoot otherwise. And that'll be fun as well. But then when you go up the hill, there's vendors and food and you can kind of walk through and look at people's products and kind of get your hands on and, and do some of that stuff. There's lots of We Like Shooting crew, the Gun Funny crew. We're all going to be there. Should be a blast. Manico Arms puts us on every single year. It's not a moneymaker for them. They just do it because they love the community so much. So go to bullpupshoot.com and check that out. Ava, are you looking forward to it this year? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to uh, that night. Everybody hangs out at the campsite or the campsite, uh, the, the training the site. The lodge, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, a cam- it's like camping for me because <laughs> it's, it's definitely kind of slumming it a little bit. But uh, everybody drinks and... That's when the crazy happens. Yep, that's when Jeremy pointed a gun at me. <laughs> in, in his defense, we had broken into his room 17 times. Yeah, <laughs> trashed. <laughs> I'll never forget the time that I was like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to run in. We're going to jump on him. Like, I'll hold him and then you guys do whatever. Except I was the only one who did the plan. So we burst the door open. I ran in, jumped on him. He immediately choke slammed me into the wall and like almost choked me until I blacked out. And we were all laughing in the background and we were like, he's so drunk. He fell for it. <laughs> yeah. It was so stupid. <laughs> Never go in first. That's all I got to say. Exactly. So if you guys go to Manicore Arms and use the coupon code gunfunny15, you get 15% off. Learn the things you never knew on deconstructing the industry. All right, Tony, thanks for joining us. So how did you get started in the firearm industry? I got started in the firearm industry, like a lot of guys, um, firearms instructor. I got out of the Marine Corps back in the day, and I moved to New Jersey, and it set your pain in the butt to get a firearms ID card, which gives you the ability, of the ability to touch a gun in Jersey. I mean, it took years. I got it. I bought my Ruger 1022 and I hustled myself down to the range because I was a Marine. I can shoot. Man, I couldn't shoot. Man, <laughs> did I suck. And then my friend Sean uh, from Black Bag Resources, he's also on Firearms Radio Network with us sometimes on the Gun and Gear Review podcast. He started his firearms instruction. He said, hey, I need students. Can you come down and take a rifle class? I was like, yeah, sure. I need it. And the very next <laughs> week, I went from shooting pizza-sized groups at 25 yards to shooting quarter size groups at 25 yards and i was like wow i really want to teach people so that's what got me involved that's what got me to go okay i'm gonna take these firearms classes and learn how to teach people what i used to know because i used to compete in high school 10 meter air rifle and then of course the marine corps so i knew how to shoot it's just perishable and it went away and i really wanted to teach people and give people that feeling of empowerment that i had what would you say the the Dunning Kruger effect is like uh, when when people get out of the military and suddenly they're like <laughs> firearms and arms armament experts? Oh my god, it is huge. One of the things I say, even because I bring up my military background, because some reason people are attracted to that. You know, if you weren't in the military, you can't teach me anything. Attitude, and I'm like, the military had absolutely nothing to do with how I teach your civilian class. It has nothing to do with how you react as a civilian defender. It can only pretty much harm you if you keep that mentality without taking any training or even learning state law about armed self-defense. So, yeah, it's huge. You don't know what you don't know. The military taught you to fight as a team. 
not alone in your Superman underoos with your shotgun in the middle of the night. Superman underoos. But his icon is wearing a Batman shirt. It's like... (laughs) I mean, so it, at least they're both DC. I just thought he had his underwear pulled up all the way up past his <laughs> shoulders. <laughs> I, have, I have onesies. It's a onesie. Uh, <clears throat> I love it. So you started instructing, and would you say that – do you consider yourself a good instructor? I consider myself a good instructor as long as I stay in my lane. Um, my entire thing is the first two or three steps in firearms. I teach you basics. I introduce you to it. I'll teach you to become comfortable with your gun, and I'll teach you to defend yourself in your home. But I'm not teaching you to kick doors in. I'm not teaching you to do searches. You know what I mean? I'm not teaching you to do high-speed, low-drag drills or shoot competition. I'm just teaching you to be competent with your handgun, shotgun, or rifle. Anything else, you can go to a high, you know go to another level of instructor, but I'll teach you to be very competent with your gun so you don't embarrass yourself when you go to the next level, which Perfect. is a big problem all instructors have. Someone coming into the class that doesn't even know how to run their gun or the basics of firearm safety. Absolutely. When you say stay in your lane, uh, I definitely understand that, and that makes you good. But what do you think makes you a good instructor? What makes you good at the things that you do teach? I think what makes me good is, one, I concentrate on that. I concentrate on that basic instructor fundamentals. That's the word I was looking for. I concentrate on the fundamentals, and I like talking to people, and I like coming at it from a different angle. So if someone does not understand what I'm talking about, I've worked with other instructors, both male and female, old and young, to try to nail it so the person can understand it. I've figured out different ways to just say the same thing, and hopefully they understand one of the ways I present information to them. Mm -hmm. So after that, you went on to start uh, The Second is for Everyone. Can you tell us about that? The Second is for Everyone started in 2015, February 2015, which is really funny because a lot of organizations started at that same time, uh, including Black Lives Matter, what is it, the National African American Gun Club or something like that. All of us started at the same time, and it was mostly because of anti-gun bills across the country. I'd just gotten all of my stuff together, and we had like a year and a half of classes before New Jersey's legislator legislators got together and just decided to screw us all. And that's what made me politically motivated. And I testified in Trenton and I was the only pro gun African American in the room of 200 pro gun people. And that's when I decided to try to recruit people of color into the political side of firearms ownership. And that's what started the second is for everyone. Um, I went to the gun shop, uh, Anthony Calandro at Gun for Higher Range. That's where I got my certifications at to be an NRA instructor. I told him what my idea was. And before I finished the second sentence, he's like, how about next week, February 9th? We can do it then. And that's how fast it got started. Very cool. So the second is for everyone. Obviously, you're doing the diversity shoots and you just kind of talked about how that started. But how? what has the effect been? The effect is actually – well – it was unintentional at first because it was February of 2015 I started and I called it the African American Day, African American Diversity Shoot, which was only about the month. And people thought I only wanted black people to come out. And I'm like, no, I want everyone to come out. And I changed the name, but the effect has been people from all races, uh, gay, straight, every religion have come out and participated. And it's hilarious when you have 60 something people at a range. And they range from 12 to in their 70s and everything from Muslim to 
Jewish to Christian to people that don't go to church at all, and they're of every race. And it was great because we all got along. We had a great time. We had brand new people that had never touched a gun before come out. And it's great the first time they do it, but the second time they show up and they bring one or two friends or family members, well, that's what's been happening since 2015. And it's just grown to the point that we had to start selling tickets and limiting the number of people that came because of fire hazard at the range. That is actually very awesome. Now, have you seen, uh, you said, you mentioned that at the, are you the only black guy out of 200 people? Have you seen that change at all uh, in your area because of what you're doing, do you think? I saw it change, and I was surprised because this last time where they had the six new bills that eventually passed in the law, they had two different rooms that they had us in. So I'm in the room, and there were a couple of Asian guys there. Um, there were my friends who were of all different backgrounds from, from the diversity shoot. They were there because of that's how we met. So all those numbers showed up. I made my speech, which people cheered, which I'd never heard that before in a hearing like that. And when we went outside for a break, people came out of the other room of all colors, races, and ages and were like, man, did you hear us cheering for your speech? And I'm like, wow. And they were like, we came because of you. Some guys had my T-shirts on, two A4E shirts, and I was really humbled. Because I didn't know if it worked. You know, I just continually put out there that we had the testimony and to show up. I didn't know if people would actually show up, and they did. So, yeah, I guess it has been having an effect. You just don't see it until something like that, you know, a rally or a big event like that. You don't see who comes out because of your influence. Mm-hmm. So tell us about gun uh, gun control and racism. Because it's been, you know, it's, it's actually, it's weird because, like, I haven't really realized how the lack of, I guess, African-Americans involved in pro-2A and and then with the whole thing with, like, Colian Noir, uh, well, that tweet, you know, from the journalist from the Huffington Post (laughs) and and just stuff like that. And it's it's really opening my eyes to things that I I guess I didn't realize before. And start at the beginning because you've got a really good uh, talk about this. (laughs) Yeah, I did some research on it because I wanted to say something different. Having been already, the first time I talked about race and gun control was at the assembly meeting. And that's when I did some research and I found out some very simple and kind of frustrating things. In America, gun control is 400 years old. In 1420, the first gun control law was passed in the colony of Virginia. Um, wait a minute, 1420? Yeah. 1620, excuse me. And it was. I was uh, like, before Columbus was, discovered America? Yeah, 1620. <laughs> or, I was like, ma'am. Or Vespucci, whichever, whichever history you ascribe to. No, the Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, 1620, the first black law banning black people from owning guns was passed in the colony of Virginia. That's when it started in America. And as you go throughout history, you start seeing things like that. It was illegal for blacks to own guns, illegal for blacks to own guns due to fear of slave rebellion. Even up until the Civil War, Dred Scott case, where freed a man who tried to buy his own freedom, the Supreme Court, the head of the Supreme Court said, we can't see these people as human because if they do, they will be protected by the Second Amendment. That just pushed on through to the Civil War. And then in the post-Civil War South, Black Code and Jim Crow laws all took place to keep blacks disarmed so they could be terrified, taking their voting rights away, and just be second-class citizens for their entire lives. And then as you get 
further closer and closer to today, you see the same thing. You see when the Black Panthers walked into uh, Sacramento State House and they were armed, which was fine and within California law. Ronald Reagan was the governor at the time and he made sure he passed a what Mumford Act to make it illegal for people to open carry. And that's a big thing in California, even what until like five years ago, it was a law until they made it illegal. But it was like the whole thing, open carry being against the law was done to keep black people disarmed and not a threat to the public. And something most people don't know is that those gun control laws were put in by what would be the Democratic Party today, right? Oh, many of the black code laws and, and Jim Crow, it was the Democratic Party. The same people that formed the Klan. Yeah, the Democratic Party. Um, the same thing with the diversity shoot is not about party politics. It's about finding your legislator that supports your Second Amendment rights, regardless of their party. Don't be that person that sells yourself to the party because blacks have done that for too long. And the Democrats think they own our, own our vote and thereby they think they speak for us. Yeah. In Jersey, we had the same thing happen in, in the late 60s. We had the Plainfield riots where blacks were rioting because of various conditions and horrible things that were happening to and being perpetrated by the state. Plainfield Machine Company was a company that was making M2 carbines, M1 carbines, and it was raided, supposedly, by black protesters. And they called together the National Guard, state police, Plainfield police, and without search warrants, warrants, raided 500 homes of blacks that lived in Plainfield and didn't find one M1 carbine. But immediately, New Jersey Assembly passed the law that said it's illegal to own M1 carbines in the state of New Jersey by name, and anything that says Plainfield Machine Company is also illegal. Dang. And that was all because supposedly black people had these guns. It's been 50 years. They have not found one black person with an M1 carbine yet. Wow. Amazing. I know my opinion on this, but I want to hear yours. Tony, do you think that, for lack of a better term, that white America is still uncomfortable with black people owning firearms? I think some people are uncomfortable, including some black people who are uncomfortable with blacks owning firearms, mainly because they've bought into stereotypes perpetrated by the movies, perpetrated by fiction, and perpetrated by the news media itself. Yeah. So it, it's created that fear. You know, I think, but, uh, well, Maj and uh, Black Black Guns Matter – I think people are uncomfortable with that because, you know, Maj doesn't really care what's in a person's history. He doesn't care if someone smokes weed. He thinks that they should have the right to defend themselves. And I think that a lot of people, when you first hear that, you're, you're kind of taken aback just a little bit. And you're like, oh, no, you got to obey all the, all the laws, which, I mean, you do. But at the same time, like different cultures, different, you know, we, we all live in different places. Like most of us white people didn't grow up in an urban neighborhood. I happen to have... And it was tough. Like, I'm not trying to say that I'm part of that because I actually got transferred because I got into fights every day. Okay. But you mean you got beat up every day? (laughs) uh, Some days. Yes. Some days. No. (laughs) Even a broken clock is right twice. (laughs) Exactly. All the time. Exactly. But, you know, how is the culture different? Like, why is it so weird for for some of the white people in America to think about, you know, black people arming themselves? Okay, one, I didn't grow up in an urban environment. So um, I was actually a little taken aback by some of the things Ma said about smoking weed, criminal record or not. His whole thing was about teaching the law and safety to you regardless who you were. And I'm like, why would you want to do that? Why would I want as an instructor to be involved in teaching a known felon how to actually safely operate a firearm? Hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And that gave me pause. But then I guess I started to understand how deeply down this shall not infringe rabbit hole we've gone, even as gun owners, law abiding gun owners. Like we've allowed ourselves to go, well, it can be infringed. Our Second Amendment right can be infringed if you smoke weed because, you know, the paperwork said so. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> so I'm like, hey, let Marge do his thing. And if he reaches more people that way, cool. If you can get over that hump and get people to understand that this is their Second Amendment right and to be able to operate within the law, you're going to have to change some stuff. But you have to know what the law is in the first place is really important. Mm-hmm. Well put. And uh, we are talking to Tony Simon from The Second is for Everyone. We're going to take a quick commercial break. So, Sean, you recently did a like a film gig and you had to bring a ton of equipment. It took you about mm, almost like an entire day to get all your stuff together. <laughs> it did. What? Well, I mean, mostly because you're unorganized and it was scattered out everywhere. I am. You got to dig is. through all these bins and stuff to get each item and but that would be pretty organized if everything was in bins right uh yeah it would sound like it if they were in bins specific to that category but they were kind of just no actually they were in bins the i have a camera bin that's i have cool. a charger bin i have a battery bin uh yeah you don't really it's kind of like a kid cleaning their their room and they just put everything under the bed and just because it looks clean and organized doesn't Uh really mean that that's the case (laughs) so anyway i took all that gear and i actually did throw it in the large range bag from hackett equipment and you were able to pretty much put other than the tripods you were able to put everything in there yeah yeah so i mean i did have a big green bin but i was able to put all the important stuff all in one microphones wireless labs wireless receivers cameras lenses batteries just pretty much everything, like all self-contained, all my really super important stuff, I was able to throw it in there and take it up to the range. And it worked really well. And it's nice, too, because you – so Hackett Equipment, their bags have individual sections. So nothing's going to get scratched or harmed or anything like that. It's all, like, securely in each little uh, – Pouch. Exactly. So, I mean, that's good. And then you're able to find things pretty easily as well. These bags are made to take to the range, but it just goes to show that you could use these bags really for anything. The pouches and even the little, uh, the sections that are holding the magazines in place, you could easily put tools, microphones, anything. I mean, it even made, it, it made it pretty easy. Obviously built for range stuff more so than camera stuff, but it, it worked well. I swear to God, that thing weighed like 50 pounds. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of heavy for you, huh? Honestly, you wouldn't even be able to lift that off the ground. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so that's the problem. As Ken Ross says, these bags hold everything. (laughs) Yes, and that is also the problem. But, you know, it was good. It it held up fine. Like I said, when we first got them in, I kind of looked at them, made sure that they looked like they were going to hold up okay. And, you know, everything was stitched well and everything was put together well. So. Yeah, no problems whatsoever. The quality is definitely there. If you guys are interested in buying a range bag from Hackett Equipment, use the code GUNFUNNY and that gets you 10% off. And you can go to HackettEquipment.com. Love it. And we are back with Tony Simon. Tony, what's the weather like out there today? Really nice day out today. Sunny and not too hot, which hasn't been the last few days. (laughs) That's awesome. The reason I ask is because you're a good talker, which it makes a lot of sense to me that you would do podcasts. So tell us about the podcast that you do. We do the Second is for Everyone podcast. We record once a week. It's available on um, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, 
and it just came up on Spotify yesterday. So, yeah, we're out there. We've been doing it since last year. This new iteration, Sean and I just started up again without a producer. So I'm doing the whole show myself through Anchor Podcast app. And uh, it's pretty successful. We just had Kevin Dixie on our show, um, not last episode, but episode before last. It was our first guest. And you know how you plan on having a short show, and I figured I told Kevin we'd be on about 10 or 20 minutes. Uh, so an hour and 15 minutes later, his section, his, his part finally ended segment. But it was a great time, and uh, it's fun reaching people. I just didn't want to mess up Gun and Gear Review podcast with my whole spiel. Because cause Gun and Gear Review podcast on Firearms Radio Network is one thing, and we review equipment. What I do on this show is talk about gun control legislation, training. I have a mad minute that the joke is it always lasts over a minute, my rant. Then we have we talk about gun culture. My thing is to try to introduce new people to firearms and keep people that have been around interested. So that's what the Second is for Everyone podcast is about. I love it, man. I don't know if you saw my post today about compliance because that was my big thing. The name of the last show was Your Wife's Boyfriend. I, so uh, I saw that. I haven't listened yet, but I did see the headline. And I was like, damn. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I just wanted to let people know the, the consequences of them not complying with gun laws, not listening to two uh, chest-thumping a-holes that do podcasts and YouTube videos telling you not to comply with your gun laws because they're not going to help you out. It's so funny that you mentioned that because we actually we we were at a barbecue and there was someone there showing Tinder profile pictures of a girl who is obviously visiting her husband in prison with him on the video screen. And she's like, yeah, my husband's away for a while just looking for someone to have fun with. Uh (laughs) And I was like – and literally like the next morning I saw your uh, podcast release, your wife's boyfriend. And I I didn't even know if they were related, but I thought it was pretty funny. Oh, yeah. Uh, my regular job, I work for the Department of Corrections, so I see this. Oh, so the husband has a boyfriend, too. Oh, the husband has a boyfriend. It's not really, you know, <laughs> something he wanted. It's guess not what? a loving relationship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I guess you're gay for the stay. So, <laughs> so uh, kind of going back to, like, the whole race thing, why do you think that it's important for people of all races to be 2A advocates? Well, I think it's, all, it's for people for all races, genders, everything to be 2A advocates just so people don't shove you in a box or get, you know, blow you off. Like the the fastest growing segment of the firearm industry right now that what everyone says is women. Well, it can be women of any race, religion or background. And I think it's important that they all step up regardless of that and, and start being active politically and do things in groups like I don't know if you heard of Project DC or the DC Project mm-hmm. started by Diana Mueller. She's a three gun uh, competitor, retired law enforcement. She started that up a few years ago, and it's she picked a woman from every state to go to DC and meet with the legislators of that state and let them see that there are women that use firearms to defend themselves and they want to stand up for their Second Amendment rights. And that's just something people never really think of because she got in under the radar. Of course, you're going to see your female constituent. And then when she's talking pro 2A, what are you going to say? The police are going to be there for her when she needs help mm-hmm. when we all know that's a lie. So it's it's things like that. We need advocates from every walk of life. Totally agree. And, because what speaks to one legislator may not speak to another. And by having that huge disparity in, in people and backgrounds, I mean, I think it's huge. Absolutely. 
And another thing you definitely have to understand is all your legislator wants to do is get reelected. And if he can, he can or she can appeal to different demographics, then they will do that. So if you have gay, lesbian, black, white, women, men, Muslim, Second Amendment advocates that either run groups or are part of groups, what are you going to say? You can't fall back on that narrative of all gun owners are racist, middle-aged white men. Mm-hmm. Tony, I th- and I think oh. that's what we need. To, that's what we need to do. We need to kick our way out of this box as gun owners that people try to put us in. Uh, go ahead, Sean. No, I'm sorry. I was uh, so. I know what I think, but I would like to hear your opinion on this as well. Like, who do you think the most influ- influential people of color are in the firearms to a space? Well, I really had to start really start with somebody that motivated me first was Reverend Ken Blanchard. Um, he runs the black man with a gun podcast. He's written several books and he's been doing this since the nineties. And I think for me, he's like the grandfather of this. And then you have, you know, young guys, new guys like Maj Torre that does black guns matter. A lot of people know him on a national level. Then you have Kevin Dixie. He's out of uh, St. Louis. He runs aiming for the truth, which is a whole lifestyle slash Second Amendment movement that he does around the country. And uh, Rick Hector out of Detroit, he's another important one. He just trained 700 women in one day in May of this year. He does it every year and has grown from 100 to 700. Next year, they're talking about a 1,000 women getting trained on how to use a semi-automatic handgun in one day. Thank you. Wow. So that's that actually kind of stuff is se- important. 700 women in a day learning how to shoot guns. That's a gangbang of another type. <laughs> <Nice>. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but we got women too. We got like my friend Tiffany Johnson. She's out of Memphis. She's a lawyer, Second Amendment advocate, and she's even spoke in front of the UN uh, during their small arms, uh, some kind of small arms thing that they had there that they had speakers from around the world that were anti gun. Mm-hmm. And she talked about how armed self defense is a human right and that people need it. And of course, being a black woman in America, they couldn't again, poo poo her as being a racist white guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And yeah, I think it's important for even if you're black, just to be diverse in in the age, in the message and everything else. And it's important of, you know, people from all colors and all races, like gays, trans, like Aaron Paulette of operation blazing sword. I think you've heard of that, right? I have Mm -hmm. definitely. Yes. Yeah, well, Erin, real cool people. Met her down in Atlanta at NRA uh, NRAM, and she was great. And her message is to get LGBTQ people to actually come out and learn to shoot and learn about armed self-defense. Piper Smith is another one out of California with armed equality. I mean, these are people actually I've friended either in person or online. Piper's an Air Force vet. She's transgendered, and she wants to. she's also a firearms instructor, and she teaches people of – all backgrounds, but you know, mostly it's, it's gays and, and trans and whatnot, but armed self-defense is a human right. And regardless of your color, regardless of any background, it's your human right. And you should fight this and all gun control. It's not a step-by-step thing. It's a slippery slope. Once you say yes to one thing, it's just a slippery slope until they take away your gun rights. I completely agree. Yeah. We all need to understand that. Absolutely. What would you say is your biggest obstacle in getting people involved in the second is for everyone? Gun owners that don't follow through. It really is. Gun owners that say, hey, I'd love to be there. Hey, I can be there. 
and they never show up, but they continually have excuses why they aren't there. And I don't just mean with seconds for everyone. I mean with voting. I mean with rallies. I mean with speaking in front of the assembly. I mean with even writing letters to the legislature. Mm-hmm. It's just some people don't take it serious because they're not into it like we are. Yeah. I mean, we, we are really into the Second Amendment firearms lifestyle, but we're not into the lawnmower or the chainsaw lifestyle. And some people just see a firearm as another tool or another thing they own. So they don't know specifically what's going on with their rights. Yeah. So they, they just think, you know, the NRA is hyperbole, which a lot of their ads really, really get on my nerves because that us against them mentality. But they don't understand that their rights are at risk every day, especially in a state like New Jersey. Yeah, totally true. Follow through people. Yeah. Well, and I mean, look at the rallies that we had. A lot of people didn't show up. And I think that most gun owners think that the day, that day that people take our guns away, that we no longer have our Second Amendment rights is just not going to happen. And that's why people don't take, you know, they don't take action. And I'll be honest, from a very personal standpoint here, I didn't go to the rally either because there was a bunch of FUDism going on and they wanted to open carry their ARs and empty holsters to make a statement. Like, just shut the fuck up with some of that stuff sometimes, guys. Like, literally just show up looking like a normal human being and fight for your <laughs> rights because you're not doing anyone any good with your three percent. Yeah. Yep. It really is annoying when they come through with that because you're playing into the stereotype. Exactly. Yeah. The yeah. last last rally I went through, I came up with a rally T-shirt that we sold nationwide. It was gun control equals racism. And... Some people are saying that was in your face. And I'm, I'm like, yes, it starts a conversation, but it shouldn't be offensive to anyone. You should ask, what do you mean by that? But with all the rallies, all we're going to get is a photo and a dude dressed in full camouflage gear with like from my dead hand sign and my cold dead hands that turns people off. But if you say gun control equals racism, people might Google it. People might look it up or even ask questions. And that's better than just being turned off immediately. Well, yeah, I mean, the picture of a black man wearing a shirt that says gun control equals racism is what we want to see in the news. Not some dude with an NC star on his high point carbine full out in camo with a Gaston flag cape. You know, <laughs> I just I don't think that's the, the way we're going to win those hearts and minds. Now, Tony, one of my favorite memories of you is the roast that you gave Aaron Krieger from <laughs> We Like Shooting. We were at a... Uh, we like shooting firearms radio network event. I believe, I don't even remember where it was, honestly. And Aaron's got some social anxiety. So he'll be kind of in the mix for a little bit. And then at the end of it, or towards the middle end of every event that we go to, he'll end up in a quarter by himself looking at his phone. And that's when you saw him. And that's when you started. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't suffer from social anxiety at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I turn around. Everybody's having fun. We're all over the place. I'm floating around. And I look, and Aaron is sitting in the middle of the room with fans that came out to see all of us personalities from the from the shows, and he's on his phone. And then I look at him, and I went, dude, is his beard brown? I'm like, <laughs> I've, I've watched Aaron forever. When did he all of a sudden, when did he turn into Benjamin Buttons? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yo, Aaron, did you, <laughs> did you dye your beard? Uh, uh Yeah, I did. And I just said, of all the hot mess you are, you thought dyeing your beard would make you hot? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that's what you decided to concentrate on? Hold on. This is a room overflowing with people. Like, we didn't even have enough room for all the people that were there. And you were yelling this across the room at Aaron, (laughs) who's sitting there in a social anxiety coma. And it was just my favorite (laughs) moment of anything ever, I think. 
I'm sorry, but it, look, I'm a fat dude. I'm, I'm pound for pound the largest firearms instructor in America. <laughs> um, and I, I'm like, I know the thing that, uh, like, should, should I, like, I don't know, do my nails or something? I don't know. Should I dye my beard? No, I'm fat. I need to lose like 300 pounds. <laughs> so, so I'm looking at this dude going, you're a hot mess, man. Just stop with the beard stuff because everybody knows what you look like. It was so good. You were, I think your exact words were, of all the things wrong with your face, you thought your beard would fix them? <laughs> <laughs> okay. That might have been it. You know, I said something about him being gay. Oh, uh, you uh, said, you said a lot of things because that was just the start and then it went on forever and it was my favorite thing. Tony, what are, what are your plans for the 2A4E and just kind of everything that you're doing out there? Right now I've been running 2A4E as a hobby out of my pocket. That's when I started asking for funding, um, maybe last year after talking to Maj and asking for donations what i'm trying to do is become a 501c3 but along with everything else that's just another fee and more money out of pocket that i really could put or have been putting to ammo to food and to making every event run smoothly but really my my ultimate goal is to get this organization turn it into an organization get it up on its feet and get it to at least pay for itself how can our listeners help you can donate to our GoFundMe, which is, of course, the second is for everyone. You can also do it on our Patreon page, and you can donate to us every month. We're working on some really cool prizes for Patreon, so if you guys can step up, we're going to do a giveaway after we reach a certain level, probably about 10 Patreons. So if you can help us out, that would be great at the $5 level or above. And um, let me see, Patreon page. Yeah, and GoFundMe are the two main ways we're doing it. If you want to purchase something and donate it to our event, you can do that. Even my friend Sean, Black Bag Resources, is set up. You can buy something from the store and just have it donated directly to the event. And I'm not talking expensive stuff. I'm talking 5 or $10. And what we do is put those in swag bags, and the first 10 people at our event get a swag bag with like 20 or $30 worth of gear in it. So we're trying to get people involved on every level to help us out. If you could, it'll be great. What is your Patreon? I'm looking for it. Oh, the second is for everyone. Uh, 2A4E. Oh, two, okay. 2A4E. All right, cool. Because mm-hmm. I'm going to become a Patreon if I can find it. <laughs> yeah, our first one of our first Patreons were Rob Smith from our show. And then Rob Pincus, um, who's a friend of mine, actually donated to it immediately upon hearing about it, which I thought was really cool. Rob's been a big help to us. He was the one that actually told me to go to the industry and help get the industry to supply and help us out. And it's been a lot of hard work, but it's been successful. Very nice. All right. And uh, and then also just uh, if our listeners want to listen to your podcast that you're on, what are those again? Uh, you can listen to the podcast on Google Play, iTunes, Spreaker, um, and Spotify, among others. Okay, and then and they would just search for is it this, the ahead. second is for everyone two a four e you can put either one of them in but I find when you put them both in we come right up very cool all right now going into uh, talking about matador arms you actually have one of their SKS chassis correct yeah matador arms are a great bunch of guys. Um, they're good people. I actually fondling it, tactically fondling my SKS and their, uh, Sabretooth Mark II chassis. They don't, they sent one to the Gun and Gear Review podcast and we use it for Project Sabretooth, Sean and I. We took it to Pennsylvania and we were able to swap out 
the original wooden furniture on an SKS, installed the SKS body, receiver, barrel, and everything into their chassis, and all of a sudden, it took the SKS from 1945 to the year 2010-2015 with the ability to mount AR accessories on it, the amount, uh, the ability to mount white light and red dots easily on this chassis, which is like an aluminum chassis and really high quality. So we enjoyed it, but I really wanted a New Jersey version because in New Jersey, you can't have a detachable magazine on the SKS. Well, they'd already redesigned it and that's where the Mark II came about. So you can use an the original SKS mag or detachable magazines on their Mark II chassis. And it's an awesome piece of kit, mainly because in Jersey, I can't have a folding stock on a semi-automatic gun except the SKS, which we can't have it. We can only have the detachable magazine on. So it's really an F you to New Jersey by putting the uh, law folding tactical stock on it. And just really the Matador, Matador arms comes through with a lot of SKS specific gear. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the coolest things they have. So how easy was it to, to do all of those changes to take an original SKS and make those changes? It was very easy. Just follow the directions. It takes about an hour just to fit everything together. Blue Loctite it. And boom, all of a sudden you have pick rail. You have an AR pistol grip. I have an adjustable folding stock on it. And uh, how, what's the name? Hollow Sun donated red dot. So now that's on it. So when I introduce people to firearms, this is one of the guns I use at the diversity shoot. Because all someone has to do is put the dot on the target and pull the trigger. Well, you know, now they've got that Sidewinder folding stock adapter, which will uh, which will fit that as well. So you could get one of those. And the best part is, is they're about $130 less than the Law Tactical. Yes, it is. Law Tactical was great. and They donated this. But yeah, I talked to Annika. I talked to Nolan. And I was like, yeah, I'm putting this Law Tactical folding stock on it. I haven't seen anyone with a folding stock on an SKS with the Matador Arms chassis. And I hadn't, mainly because it's was price prohibitive but now that they have theirs it's a lot cheaper and it's fun to get into Definitely. if you're building ars and you have like six of them <laughs> why not pick up an sks and just do something different you'll be the only guy on the range with that gun absolutely and if you use the code gunfunny 10 you get a 10 percent off matador arms they're also the ones who sponsor our prank call and here we go this one is so so stupid It's time for Prank Calls with Malcolm and Gertrude. Honey! Uh, yes, hello, my name is Malcolm. I was just calling because I'm looking to find the gun that most closely resembles the blaster used by Han Solo in the movie Solo by LucasArts and Disney. Okay. And can you point me in the right direction as to what firearm I would buy to uh, convert into the blaster used by Han Solo in the movie Solo put out by LucasArts and Disney? I've never seen the movie, so I have no idea. Have you ever seen Star Wars? Because he was also in that. I've seen Star Wars, but it's been years ago. Because, uh, so I mean, I'm just trying to find the real firearm. I think that would be so awesome to, and it's not even for me, it's for my wife. She would dress up as Han Solo. I would dress up as Chewbacca because... Uh, to be perfectly honest, I like the furry costumes, but also I do the voice. Uh, have you ever, you know what voice that is? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that one, I think I do a pretty good impression. But 
So, do you think uh, anyone there would know which Han Solo blaster it is? No. Uh, might, but he's just stepped out for a little bit. All right. And uh, now, you guys don't, lightsabers aren't actually a thing, right? No. All right. But the, the blaster, they probably modeled that after a realistic firearm, in my best guess. Would you say that's probably true? That, uh, I don't know. There's so many movie props that... Some are based off of futuristic weapons, and some are based off of modern-day weapons. But I, from what I remember of the Star Wars movie, I don't have anything that would resemble. Okay, well, I definitely blasters. definitely appreciate the uh, the time that you put in, and uh, I'm just gonna I'm gonna I actually do speak Wookie, and I just wanted to say goodbye in that language. <laughs> <laughs> so sad, but it was funny. The best part is the guy didn't hang up right away. It was he just did, he silent. Just, yeah. <laughs> As someone that works retail, sometimes you just want to go ahead and get it all in so you can remember it when you tell it later. Right. <laughs> oh, gosh. I felt bad. But I was like, try- I was like trying to do the worst Wookiee impression that ever existed. <laughs> M- mission accomplished. <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> it's it, it's me doing my Wookiee or you know constipation, one of the two. Yes. Get out of me. Oh God. <sighs> All right, so Polymer 80, one of our newer advertisers, I uh, wanted to talk about the Glock Magwells. Regular Glock Magwells don't fit on the Polymer 80 frame, so Polymer 80 made their own. They have ones that fit the compact frame and the standard frame. They both go for $100. They're made out of aluminum. I mean, that's actually, if you look at all the other Magwells out there, yeah, I, I like think- Zev and... They they retail for like a ridiculous amount. It, they they really do. It's like it is milled aluminum, which you know it, it takes machine time and stuff like that, and then it's anodized, and there's a lot of processes and steps to it. But here's the thing, like Magwell, when you're gonna make your when you're gonna make your Glock awesome, like a Magwell is a huge thing. That's something that you put in. But with the Polymer 80 for a lot, for a while, they didn't have those, so I think people were kind of stressed about it. But now they've got them. They're available on their website, uh, Polymer80.com, and they look baller. I'm yep. not gonna lie, they look awesome. Yep, definitely. Yeah, go check them out, polymer80.com, and buy one of the magwells, buy one of the frames, buy one of the barrels, buy one of the slides, buy the trigger. They pretty much have everything. (laughs) They do. (laughs) It's all there right now. All right, let's talk about some gear. Tactic Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. So I asked one of our one of our patrons will ask the patrons what gear they would like us to talk about. And Paige from Southern Bullets, she suggested the company Wardrobe Architect, which I've never heard of. Apparently, they make all kinds of everyday carry gear and clothes. What kind of struck my interest was this unisex cork, cork belt. So cork is a great substitution for leather. I did not know that. I didn't either. I'm because I'm thinking that cork isn't as durable. Yeah, like uh, I'm just thinking of all the cork I've ever experienced, mostly like throwing darts into, or I've seen cork flooring. I guess that's pretty durable, and but yeah, I guess it's an analog for leather too. Yeah, one of a kind because obviously no 
two belts are the exact same. No more holes because of the way that the buckle, um, there's nothing worse than having like a worn out buckle or a worn out hole and then you have to release it or <laughs> <laughs> poke new holes like in seriously or... you have no idea how much my weight fluctuates one day i skinny the next day i'm asking alpha alpha gear for you know blue alpha gear for new belt yeah exactly <laughs> i do love the ratchet system like I, I haven't had a belt that has the belt post and god knows how long i've been using the ratchet systems for a couple of years and they're far superior in my opinion Yep. And then they have interchangeable buckles. So it says natural cork feels like suede. And then the dyed cork feels like regular leather. It even smells like leather, which, which again, I didn't know that. I, I did not either. I don't understand. This is like a whole new paradigm that I'm living in now. It's like it just threw my whole worldview askew. Tony, have you ever seen a cork belt? No, I actually looked this up to see what you guys are talking about. These look cool. Yeah, I, it says that it's thick and sturdy enough for everyday carry, which is important for our, our, everyone who listens to this show. Yeah, I mean, if it if it holds up, and you know, you're like maybe a vegan or something. Yeah, that, I know that's what I was thinking. I'm like, ah, I don't really care if it's it's a leather or not, but I guess for those for those people who don't want a leather belt but they want the durability, cork belt would be uh, a good option. And right now they're on sale for fifty five dollars. Which is pretty good. Yeah, I think the belt that I'm wearing right now is like 79. Very cool. So if you guys want to check it out, go to uh, wardrobearchitect.net. And Ava, does that bring us to our iTunes reviews? It does. Oh, no. Do I have to read them? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> I, I was waiting. I like threw the softball out for you and no one did it. Uh, Spaz27 says five stars. Jews and Gentiles talking guns. All right. <laughs> Just finished the show with guest. Always interesting and down to earth. Phil Strader. Keep up the great work. Exclamation point. And thank you, Spaz. Or Spaz. I don't really know. Uh, next one is Max Shoots. Five stars. One of my favorites. Been listening for a little while now, and I've always enjoyed listening to this podcast. I've never been a huge podcast guy, but Gun Funny has me hooked. Enjoy the down to earthness, if that's a word, haha, of the show. Really glad to see this picking up steam with our new sponsors and can't wait to see what the future holds for this podcast. And to that, I say thank you. And I also say thanks for leaving us reviews. It helps people find the show. It helps me, it helps people decide to listen to the show. So whether it's iTunes, Facebook, or whatever, we really appreciate the reviews, uh, especially if they're funny, make us laugh. I'm sure they'll make other people laugh too. Yep, absolutely. But we only want to see five star reviews, please. <laughs> I mean, anything lower, please go somewhere else. Yeah. I heard that uh, two, four, you know, two e, a four e. Yeah. yeah, that one podcast. Yeah, they <laughs> yeah, could. Uh, if it's not five stars, get your bullshit out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and Jews and Gentiles—that's racist. <laughs> it, well, I don't know. I don't know if it, it's religionist. Can I say that on this show today? On today's show? That's oh yeah, racist. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we're wrapping up. So if you miss us, if you can't get enough of us, you only you only listen to us for an hour a week, but you want more, maybe you should think about becoming a Patreon. And right now, so ATI, they donated a handguard for us to give away. So we've decided that once we reach 50 Patreons, we're going to give away an ATR handguard only to our Patreons, though. That's how you could join or enter to, to possibly win. Dang, a one in fifty chance. That's awesome odds. Yeah, it is. And I love their their handguards. I have them on two of my guns. I know. We actually dropped one off this morning for Cerakote that has one, I think. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Uh, so yeah, think about becoming a patron. You just go to patreon.com forward slash gunfunny. And depending on your level of donation, you always get access to our Facebook, our patron only Facebook page, access to our monthly raffle, win cool stuff. A lot of times it's like TNA, TNE gear that, you know, that we get to test. And then you get access to uh, possibly limited edition t-shirts, shouted on the show, and even an opportunity to be a guest on the show. Right now, I want to thank our $25 Patreons. And their names are Corbin Bonafide and Iraq Veteran 8888888888. Thank you. Thank you very much. And we'll be out there in October uh, hanging out with Brandy and Eric and Chad and all the Ivy and Ray and William and all the Ivy. And little JoJo and Billy Bob. Actually, all my names were real. <laughs> my names were all real, all people associated with IV-8888. Oh, I'm sure that we're going to find li- Little Willie and Billy Bob. Okay, they'll be the- there, and they'll be driving the General Lee. <laughs> I also want to thank uh, our king of the Patreon. Before I say what Adam Balzar, who is our king of the Patreon from Charger Arms. Uh, Balzar. 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 Balls her. Balls her. B a l l s h e r. So before I thank him, just what is King of the Patreon? King of the Patreons is basically the person who signs up at the highest level of all the other Patreons. They basically rule the Patreons. If they see other Patreons in public, they they're allowed to declare prima nocta. Uh, they're allowed to command them to buy them drinks. Like the King of the Patreons is basically the King of the Patreons, uh, just to put it bluntly. And they get everything they want, but they also get. The fact that we will kind of read whatever they want us to read. Uh, Adam owns and runs Charger Arms, and they do some cool stuff out there. You can find them on Facebook. Yeah, Facebook, Instagram. But what Adam said he wants us to read this week, uh, who has to read this? Uh, you should probably read it. All right. I'm the American Gun Chick, and this is Gun Day Month. Wait. I'm the American Gun Chick, and this is Gun Day Monday. Ah, oh, Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. Okay. Thanks a lot, Adam. Actually, we just met Adam this weekend. Yeah, we did. It was hugely disappointing. He came for to Colorado, and I actually was pretty impressed. I he so he's not as ugly as he looks on Facebook. Yeah. I I don't. I thought he was. You know, he seems way fatter on Facebook, but I guess the camera adds like fifty pounds. Three hundred. Yeah. And you know, I thought he was. He, he's pretty funny, actually. Yeah. So he's a. And on top of that, I just gave him my gun so that he could Cerakote it. Yep. It was awesome. So, uh, Adam, uh, thank you for being king of the Patreons. And again, patreon.com slash gunfunny. Yeah. And thank you to all of our patrons. And I also have another announcement to make. Because of your everyone who's a patron, we are now able to afford an editor. So all of those times that I say, um, and I sound very awkward and I can't form my sentences. The show's only going to be six minutes long from now on. Our, our new editor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love Tony trying to keep shit together. <laughs> our new editor, Kenny Ortega, is now hopefully going to polish up the show a little bit. So thank you, Patreons. We, we greatly appreciate you. Truly. All right, guys. Tony, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thank you for having me on, guys. And keep up the good work. Yeah, and remind us once again, where, where can people find you? What's the best place for people to get all your stuff? You can get my stuff at diversityshoot.com, or you can go over and check out any app that has podcast on it and pull us up, or check us out on the Firearms Radio Network, Gun and Gear Review Podcast. Oh, yeah. We'll talk to everyone next week, and I don't know. We should, I feel like we should have a tagline. What, what should we say, Ava? Thanks for watching, listening to Gun Funny. We love you, and we'll see you next time. Okay, yeah, yeah.
Billabob's coming. I just, I just ripped off. <laughs> Want to send feedback? Suggest a place to prank call? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact. 